Welcome to All The Therapies. We're two clinicians who try out different therapeutic practices so you can find the right type of healing for you. I'm Abby Crom. I'm Mona E. Shaker. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks for joining us. Let's jump in now. All right, Ab. So we are interviewing you now. Uh, at this point, you've already had your first and now your second dose of yes. ketamine. So let's kind of start with setting the scene. Who was there? Where were you? What time of day it was? So yeah, this one was really different than my first one. So I was at Dr. Coleman's office, but she sets it up, you know, like I definitely was thinking it was going to be like half hospital, half like bed, like, I don't know, like with the (laughs) IV, she actually had it set up really nice. She had this really lovely office. It was like an anthropology store on it. Like, you know, she had it like (laughs) set up like a really cute day bed. And so that immediately made me comfortable and felt nice. This one was in the morning versus my last one was at night. And so I wasn't sure, but because you don't eat before you take the ketamine, which has to do with the nausea and how like the medicine kind of gets into your body, it was much easier to do not eating at 8 a.m. versus like not eating for most of the day and doing it at night. So all those things were already kind of, and I was with Dr. Coleman and the therapist again, and Missy, who will be interviewing. And so, yeah, it was set up very nicely. So I immediately felt comfortable. And this really was a shot. So this is the one I was getting that where I was getting a shot in my arm and there was no IV bag or anything like that. It was like, (laughs) she pulled it out of a bag. There's really no medical equipment except she did take my blood pressure. Okay. So it didn't feel like medical eyes, like sterile. And I think that would make me feel kind of uneasy as well. So that's totally. good to know. So there was almost like a very relaxing environment. I'm sure that's all kind of intentional too. Right. Totally. Yeah. Do you want to compare both experiences? Like how sure. Was second? Yeah. I mean, so some things were the same, which is halfway through, I was convinced maybe I'll never come out of this. So Mm. that seems to be a fear that stuck around. But as far as like, so taking in the medicine, I talked about in the first one, the lozenge. So the lozenge is this, like you hold it for 12 minutes, you know, you need to kind of swish it around your mouth where the shot is instant, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just more immediately felt like, oh, I'm going in and I'm kind of like plunging past. Okay, here it is. I'm going into this altered state. The thing I remember feeling is like familiarity. So I was like, oh, here again, you know, like my brain was just kind of like this space. And so I think I was enjoying it and like was in a good space. And I feel like I had a little bit more of those, what you would kind of stereotypically think of as these kind of altered experiences where I felt I could see everything come together in the world and see between atoms and things like that. And I think I was fine. And then I had that fear came up again. And I think it's probably, you know, everything kind of slows down. So it's almost this like slow realization, like, what if I never came out of this? Right. And then it's like, even though I could kind of talk myself out of that, the fear started to kind of grab hold. But, you know, so I ended up taking off my mask and they were like, oh, you could put your mask back on, you know? So I was like having a little resistance, you know, in that experience. Uh, But it wasn't bad thinking about it now. Like, I'm not like, oh God, like that was like traumatizing. It was a bit scary at the time, but 
something that happened with me in ketamine is I didn't feel scared. I just, Mm -hmm. so even though that sounds like, well, you sound pretty like concerned about that. Like I had the concern, but I didn't feel incredibly scared. And I just was like, kind of curious about that. Like, what if I didn't come out, you know? I mean, there was certainly an element that didn't feel good about it, but it doesn't make sense in the same. And that's the thing about ketamine. It's things that would make sense in just like general state kind of have a different sense when you're taking ketamine. Yeah. Did it feel like, because you've already had that initial experience, so you know what that state is like, and you said there, you know, you felt familiar. Do you feel like that mitigated the scariness at all? I definitely think so. I definitely think it helped to already know. And like, that was part of it for yeah. sure. Nice. Okay. So then you took out your mask cause you're like, Oh, I'm stuck here forever. <laughs> What's happening. Did it feel comforting knowing that like, and again, now that you already talked to the therapist and the psychiatrist, you know them, like, what mm-hmm. was that experience like? I was like, okay, I see them. And again, it's really hard to see. And then you're going from like a mask where you're totally in darkness to like light. I was taking my eyes a long time to adjust. It was daylight and I could see out the windows. So I was kind of just looking at like the nature and like that was really actually calming. That was helpful for me. And I think just in general, you know, these things are things we do for grounding in therapy. So I just kind of knew what would ground me in that moment. And so on some level, I knew it's fine. Like whatever I get out of this experience, like, you know, because they're like, you can put your mask back on. And I just, at that moment, I couldn't, I needed to stay in contact with the world. But I imagine if I maybe continued, I could probably stay in, but like on a subsequent session, but in that session I needed to kind of, and I think again, what I realized afterwards, so there's that part, there's so much context that now like everything I got to do after informed me that I didn't have in that moment because I hadn't done it yet. And so in that moment, I just felt like that's as far as I'm going to be able to go today. And that is why, and we'll, you know, talk about this in the interview, I know it's generally recommended, especially for like the severity of depression, you know, three to six sessions. Cause you know, I think part of this is getting used to it, you know, getting Mm -hmm. used to the experience. Yeah. And trusting it. Right. Right. And how much of that experience was maybe dampened because there's a little bit of like the unfamiliarity or the wanting to reconnect with the outside. Yes. Yeah. I mean, right. You don't have treatment resistant depression, but yeah. in the last we talked, you were, you did discuss like, um, you know, challenges with anxiety. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, did anything come up in the second dose around anxiety, either during the treatment or after? Well, I think what it allowed me to see is like exactly like my anxiety manifested as this thing. I'm going to get stuck. I always describe anxiety as like this scanner that's just constantly looking. So if it runs out of things to worry about, it's going to make something out. It's just going to like constantly pull for something to worry about. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that is my experience and my clients tend to resonate with that description as well. And so again, after I could really see like, oh, like that, it was like so clear it was like a crystallized fear. Like, it's just like my fear could not give up. You know what I mean? It had to come up with something that even though I had been assured and I trusted it. And even in 
and that's the thing with like kind of the rational mind versus the emotional mind, you know? So oftentimes we know things intellectually. I know this is fine, but I'm still scared to do it. Right. And so I think that was what came up. Like rationally, I knew I was totally safe emotionally, like still fears were coming up. And so I think it did like crystallize that for me. And again, more in the after, in the moment, in this altered state, it was very hard to like walk myself through that process. Because I did it in the morning, I was able to then have the day to kind of process. And I had the day off and I went to the beach. And that was honestly like the best thing I could do is kind of just, I didn't immediately feel ready for that. I had to like chill out for two hours and basically do nothing. But then I had the energy to go to the beach and kind of like think about. And all of a sudden, after the first one, what I noticed is I was actually a little lower. I was like, my energy was lower. I was like, and then after the second one, my energy like skyrocketed. Like I was actually really excited and seeing this stuff was actually like helpful. And I was like making sense of it. And there was still desire for control. I wanted the music to be different. I wanted, maybe I should have done this, maybe, you know, and so I was still also still trying to control the experience, which in hindsight, I can see like the thing with the mask, because it is hard to trust sometimes even people you actually do trust. And you're like, no, these people wouldn't try and harm me. Part of what anxiety does is like, but are you sure? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But what if? And so my anxiety is all like, you're going to get tricked. Like, are you sure? So it's this like paranoid, you know, like, and that's another thing. It's like just a little paranoid kind of guy sitting on your shoulder, just like, but it could be, but like, Mm -hmm. remember that Dateline story, you know, just like, (laughs) you know, it's just like, yeah, it's all scam. (laughs) You know, I don't know, you know, and that was part of the integration process is why is this thing about being tricked? so big for yeah. me. Yeah. So, you yeah, know, I, I want to know about that. Yeah. What that integration process is like. So after you have your trip and you're already saying like, kind of like you need some time to like chill out. So it's, I'm imagining you're kind of like half lucid, half. Yeah, not. exactly. You're yeah. kind of half in half out and they're asking questions and writing down your answers. And mm-hmm. I think it's really helpful. And so what I set up is to talk with the therapist also a few days later. That was my integration session when I'm like completely out of, and I think that was really helpful. It was like more crystallized because when you're in that state and it's kind of like fun to observe and you are again, more open. I talked about like, it is this kind of like, I just had no filter and I could kind of say things more directly, but then to like really process it and be like, yeah, why is that? Like, I know that about myself on one level, but I haven't really looked at it so crystallized, Mm -hmm. which is this sense of like, that's what my anxiety kind of focuses on being tricked. You know, what if something goes wrong? All these typical kind of, I mean, those are pretty typical anxiety thread that it holds on to. And so I could really just like see it and observe it and see how it was showing up in the session and in other areas of my life. Yeah. So I think that was really helpful to kind of see that again in the moment, if you would ask me like one hour after my session, I'd be like, uh, I don't know. Like I, you know, like we'll see, you know, but I think now even like having some time after it, I'm like, oh, like, it's like so much clearer to me. And I'm like, yeah, this is really helpful to see it in this different way. Cause of course I've talked about my anxiety before. It's like something I am steeped in, but I think to see it in this really particular way, in this really almost like altered state way gave me a new experience of it. Interesting. Right. It's like, already knowing that anxiety is kind of always there in the background and then being in an altered state, seeing how it 
manifests in mm-hmm. that space too. That's interesting, right? It's giving you a different perspective on it. Yeah. And it also sounds like the power of the ketamine treatment is, you know, it's the experience, but it's also sort of like processing it days after and integrating it, of course, with a therapist, but it also yes. sounds like you have your own kind of personal relationship with it. I think at this point, it's been, it hasn't been exactly a week since the second dose. Close to that, yeah. So now that you've had a lot more time, I'm wondering, do you have moments where like you think about your experience while on it or like if you're making connections kind of several days after the experience? Yeah, you know, it was one really interesting thing is I watched, there was a show on Netflix called Surviving Death, which of course just called my name. I need to watch it. Every, oh, I want to watch you it. Watch but it? Oh my I, gosh. I don't know why I, mean, I have I'll we may have, have to watch it together. Okay, yeah. that might be like a whole episode. It's <laughs> just like watching Surviving Death. Because I re-watched it. It was interesting. Actually, I had watched it months ago. And someone was like, hey, have you heard of this show? Like, I feel like you would like it. And I was like, I've already watched it. But that prompted me to re-watch it. And I'm actually really glad. It had nothing to do with the ketamine. This person just out of the blue asked me if I had seen it. But what it prompted me to do is rewatch the first episode, which is about near-death experiences. And when they described it, I would say that is the closest to what I experienced on ketamine and rewatching. I didn't remember a lot of the episode. Like I realized, like I remember really liking that episode of the show, but the way they were describing is that a lot of people think, oh, well, near-death experiences, it's like maybe your brain's doing something or whatever. But near-death experiences happen when your brain is actually offline. When people are clinically dead, there is no brain activity. So actually it feels like your brain is the filter. Your brain is filtering out this other experience that oftentimes people... (laughs) Wow. (laughs) You blew my mind. Okay, continue. So that actually what your ketamine removes is the filter to this other experience that we can have, whatever your beliefs are about why that experience exists. What we do know, and if, you, if you're if you like, eh, near-death experiences, the person actually prompted me about it and was like, have you seen this? Is someone who is a bit skeptical. So I think that's why they reached out because they were like, it was interesting because what I like about that episode is the stories they have. Are, it's not just somebody like in a barn, like, yeah, I had a near-death experience. You know, I mean, it's just like the the story. I mean, I think they do, you know, we get these examples where it just looks like everybody who has them is insane in some way. But the examples they had in this episode, like, I don't want to ruin it because it's so good. I'll just say, because this is in the first minute. I mean, the first person they have is a physician who had her own near-death experience. So the examples are really good and really consistent. So I got into this whole thing. Maybe I'm going to have to have a near-death experience. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. But it really was interesting Interesting. because it paralleled what I experienced. Very interesting. I love that kind of stuff. The only reason why I haven't watched it is because every time I have time, it's at night. And if I watch that stuff at night, my brain is just like, I can't sleep. And I'll just be thinking about it and I might get a little scared. And that also is making me think of like your experience of ketamine at night versus during the daytime. And I wonder if there is a level, a sense of uh, safety, depending on the time of day and like being able to like experience something so profound. And so, you know, out of your, our normal realm of reality. Yes. And I think there's something to that. I totally do. And again, the reason I did it at night was really because we're people trying to schedule around each other. I doubt many people are offering night sessions, but some people do do Zoom self-administered and 
you know, again, and it made me at first, so here's where I flip-flopped and I was like, mm, maybe I wanted to do my own because I know there's places that will like teach you to kind of self-administer. It's like, I'll do my own music and like all self-administer. I kind of flip-flopped because like after I was like, yeah, I wish I had my own music. And like, I just went, there was a one song that's probably a really generic meditation song, but now is like, if I hear something like it, it's like, ah, I'm in the space right now. I mean, not like really like a flashback. I'm just saying like, it just felt a little darker to me. Mm. And so I was like, I wish I could pick my own music. I would, you know, and I told them that, but now I'm like, right. If I controlled the whole experience, I wouldn't have had that experience. I wouldn't have seen my fears, you know, and that's the whole thing. And so I flip-flopped because I was kind of wondering, would that have been a better experience for me? Like, it may have felt safer in the moment, but again, I was totally safe. Nothing bad was actually happening to me. And now knowing, right, I get it. Like, I wouldn't have allowed myself that experience. I would have controlled the whole thing. And then would I have gotten the same type of, like, insight about it, you know? Totally. And that just feels so therapeutic of thinking about yeah. how growth happens when you're in the space outside of your comfort zone. Yes. I mean, that just feels so aligned with like anxiety, wanting to control your experience, but needing to go out of that and experiencing a little anxiety in a controlled space. So you could have these like moments of growth and moments of reflection because you're out of your comfort zone. That's a really good point because I didn't think about it in the terms of exposure therapy. Mm. Exposure therapy is a really well-regarded therapy for anxiety and for phobias and OCD and things like this. But I often do. I don't call them exposures, but I talk to my clients about we have to have contact with the thing we're afraid of. A, because otherwise it just gets more and more fearful the more we avoid it. And the other thing is like, we need to see, is it true? Like what we're actually afraid of? And so... I wasn't thinking about it, but that was a helpful reminder that this is a form of exposure therapy in a safe environment. Mm. And right, I didn't feel safe every second of it, but I also didn't feel like unsafe because that's different. I do think you do need to be with people that ultimately are trustworthy, you know? So I know that's ultimately was the situation I was in, even though in moments I was like, what if this is bad? What if they don't know how to help me through this or something like that. And those are just typical fears that I was able to get exposure to. And again, because I'm someone, I am a therapist, I work with this, like I'm pretty like well-versed in anxiety. I will kind of take a lot of challenges and experiences, obviously, like this is how I like to do my life. But for something to be able to take me beyond what I can do when I'm controlling the experience is probably what I need. You know what I mean? Like it does take a lot to go beyond your own comfort zone. Like it's hard for you to guide yourself beyond your own comfort zone is my point. Like mm. you kind of need help to do that. Right, exactly. Like a guide and like somebody to share the experiences with and to have a little bit of that safety or comfort, right? So you feel comfortable, take a leap. Yes. It's like the secure attachment to your parents. Yes. Totally. Lovely. This was really great. Do you want to share any like last takeaways, pros and cons, anything you think is good for folks to know who are considering it? Yeah. So I'll just share from my own experience. Of course, I would have been one of those people. It's like, maybe it's fine to just do it, like get guided through a self-administer. But if you're able to, and I actually have a, a friend who did that. And I think they, hearing my experience, they're like, I think I would prefer that kind of experience like you had with the shot where you go, because you kind of do have to go beyond your 
limit that you would allow yourself. So if you're someone who feels the desire to control the experience, it's okay. Like maybe allow safe people to help you in this experience. And yeah, I think you do need to give it a few sessions, you know, so that's my takeaways. And I think again, and especially ketamine is not the cheapest treatment. So if you're going to do it, but if you get a lot out of it, you know, again, sometimes we take, you know, the cheap comes out expensive. It's one Mm. of my favorite phrases, you know what I mean? Like, but so you might be like, okay, well, I'll do this many sessions and I don't know if I'll do the integrations and, you know, so I think there's this way you might want to like shortcut it. And I totally have that tendency too, but I'm really glad I like actually went through with a full protocol and did my integration session separately. So if you're able to, and if you really consider if you're someone who's done a lot of therapy or like, is like, Hey, I don't want to devote another year or something. And you calculate it and you're like, Hey, I think I do want to try something a little more in a short amount of time, you know, it's like, it's kind of half dozen of one, six of another, you know what I mean? It's kind of maybe a trade-off versus thinking of this as this like really extreme thing. Yeah. I think just think about it. Look at what you've already tried. Talk to the person, whoever you go to, like you do want to feel safe with them. So talk to them about it. What are the pros and cons of each experience? And, and then I always like had access to Missy and stuff. And I think that's how they are with clients. It wasn't just because, you know, we're doing this like experience. So I think that's really important to make. So that's would be questions I would ask is like, do I have access to you between the sessions? Like, can I text you if something comes up? That made me feel really a lot better in the situation. Mm-hmm. You know, ask people how long they've been doing this. Have they done it themselves? And we'll talk about that a little bit in our interview with Missy and Dr. Coleman. So I do think there's a lot of benefits of ketamine. And I think I my trust in the process grew actually over time, which is interesting. Nice. Awesome. Great. You did the thing. I did it. Yeah. We started there. We started at ketamine and we're just going up from there, near-death experience. No, we've got a lot of cool things planned though. So I'm excited. Yes, me too. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with me. Yes. I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks again for joining us. Check out our show notes to learn more about this episode and to find all the ways to follow us. And remember, if you're curious, try it.